From FasterMind.co, this is Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. I'm Dane Sanders. Converge is a show about that space, that tension between the stuff you make and making money or something valuable from your stuff. The show lives where creativity and business collide, giving all of us the opportunity to rethink how we work and live in the digital economy. Jeff and Aaron Youngren are the Chip and Joanna Gaines of photography. I love these guys so much. These are San Diego-based entrepreneurs and creatives who have gone from starting a fledgling little photo biz and actually started a second brand and then acquired a third brand, not only stayed in the business-to-consumer market, but added a business-to-business element by doing corporate photography. They've since gone on to do incredible work as educators and creating digital courses online and have just built kind of an empire of resource, both for clients that are in need of photography services and also for other colleagues who are looking to get better at their delivery of photography services. Well, I invited Jeff and Aaron to join us at the Go Summit this year in January. I can't wait for them to come, but I thought in advance of them arriving, wouldn't it be great if we could hear from them and actually hear them pull back the curtain a bit and have them share a little bit of what kind of a journey have they been on over the better part of a decade and how did they both grow together as a couple, go through all the twists and turns that it took to build these businesses. And in particular, we're going to use this word transformation quite a bit and how and what were the ingredients that helped them continue to transform. And that's my experience of them is they don't just get better, they become something new with every iteration. And as I've gotten to know them over the years and have been friends for a long, long time, I realized that these are the kinds of folks that we need to put on display for more and more creatives to understand what it looks like to navigate life well and to keep transforming into a place of flourishing and thriving. Jeff and Aaron Youngren, welcome to Converge. Oh, <laughs> thanks for having us. We're so excited to be here. We're happy to be here. Thanks for having us, man. So in the preamble, some of the stuff that you guys didn't hear before we went on air, we were giving Jeff a bad time because he was so excited, kind of front edge of seat, eager to chat. And this is rare. I'm eager to chat. I'm kind of tripping over myself. The only elegant one in this call is Aaron. But the reason I think we're all excited is a couple things that are going into this. One is longevity. These two are amazing photographers and craftspeople and artists and business folks and educators. And we'll talk all about that in a second. But they're also, they've been my friends for a long time. And what's fun about longevity is perspective. Like we've had a chance to see each other grow and become, you know, reinvent in certain categories and stay steady in others and try new things and the highs and the lows of it all. I just want to say before we even start, like, I'm so grateful that you're still my friend after all this. This is amazing. <laughs> likewise, likewise. Yeah, for sure. Talk a little bit about your guys' journey in and around well, especially in the last better part of a decade. I mean, you, Jeff, you were an engineer, if I remember right, way back in the day. And you guys started, you jumped into the photo game just after the transition from analog to digital was really taken full force, or maybe right around then. Yeah. And walk us through the journey from there to now, because you guys have built, you built a really multidimensional organization. And I'd <laughs> love to hear how people kind of see the evolution of it. Well, I love the word multidimensional. I think that's a great way of describing it. Not a usual way that I hear people describe it, but multidimensional is something I'll take. So I started doing photography 
like, you know, that typical young age, but really didn't get into it until high school. And I just fell in love with photography in the dark room and being in the dark room and those like smells, I can still think of those smells. But at the time I was really, I had the photography creative outlet that I was doing, but then I was also really good at math and science and I'm a pretty friendly guy I've been told. And so people were like, Jeff, you should definitely go into the medical field. And so I went to college and I got a degree in biochemistry and I was planning to go to medical school. And then I met this one over here and she kind of derailed some of those plans because I fell in love and I wanted <laughs> to start my life sooner than later. You're welcome. Thank you very much. <laughs> and so I started working in biotech. And right about the time I started that job, I had different friends that started getting married. And I started getting asked to photograph weddings. And it was really very early on in my first few weddings that I was like, how have I never thought about doing this? This is amazing. This is really the perfect blend of art and that whole loving people and being friendly and outgoing. Like I'm a kid in a candy store at a wedding. And so that was, gosh, like 11 years ago now. And yeah. We've been shooting together ever since. Yeah, we got married and I had so much fun at our wedding and I was like, oh, can I just come to these weddings with you? And so <laughs> I'd buy a new dress and I'd curl my hair and then I'd schlep around Jeff's like 80 pounds of photography gear. But I was so happy to do it. And I picked up one of his extra cameras at a wedding, figured out how to turn the thing on and just started shooting. And at that point it was digital, which we were, it was right at that switch from film to digital. And I, so I just started shooting and Jeff's like, okay, that's okay. It's digital, sweetie. We can just delete it later. Yeah, I looked over and I was like, those are nuts. <laughs> Not turning out, but at least it's not costing me a dollar a frame. Yep. We're good to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I fell in love with it. I was like, wow, I finally see what it is that Jeff loves so much about this photography thing. It's a whole different world when you look through a camera. And anyone who's, you know, discovered that creative passion knows that moment can usually identify that point where they're just like, wow, there's a passion lying in here somewhere that I just can't help but explore. And that's what it was for me. And so we we were both working corporate jobs. Jeff was doing cancer research at the time. Mm -hmm. I was working in recruiting. And we started shooting weddings on the side. And it took a couple years for us to build a game plan to leave our jobs full time. But we knew that what we really wanted to do was photography and that that was our calling at that point. And so we were able to quit our corporate jobs we traveled the world shooting weddings. We still do very often. And about five years ago, we came to a point where we said, you know, we, Jeff and I only shoot 20 weddings every year. We're very intentional about that. And part of that is, you know, we want, we come alive when we build these relationships within our couples. And so we've been able to build a business that we really love because of this intentional format that we built it around. And we just said, you know, we are only capable of servicing 20 couples in the way that we want to. So let's expand and build another brand where we can train other photographers to love on their couples the same way that we do. So we launched a separate photography brand that shoots weddings and it's called Clove and Kin. It's Clove like spice and Kin like family. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, a friend approached us and said, hey, guys, you want to buy our commercial photography studio? <laughs> and we're like, okay. <laughs> and Why so not? we went from just the two of us and our cat running our business out of our house. And we took over a studio with a staff and a team of photographers. And we were starting this wedding brand. We were taking over a commercial photography brand. And so the last five years have been a huge journey. It's been a huge experience where we've been transformed as people, as artists, as yeah. business owners, as bosses. So that has been quite the experience that it's been the hardest thing that we've ever done, 
but it's been the most rewarding thing we've ever done because of the gifts that these businesses have brought to us and the kind of transformation we've been able to experience within ourselves and in our marriage Mm. and how we've been able to grow in ways that I don't think we would have grown if we had just stayed the two of us without scaling to a larger team. Well, so I want to slow the train down just a little. I'm hearing you say you, as you were kind of growing into your 20s, thinking through like, oh, let's start this photo thing, see what happens, fall in love with photography, first Jeff, then Aaron. And then then you kind of went from creative to, it sounds like more of a, I want to say tycoon approach. Like (laughs) you're in mergers and acquisitions at this point. So like you have your brand, you add another brand, you acquire a third brand and they're regionally based. You guys are in Southern California, Mm -hmm. but you're also, you've also done a lot more since then. And this is where the multi-dimension things comes in. Because in my mind, those are all B2C service-based businesses. And now you're working with a team. So there's a leadership aspect, there's a management aspect, and there's actually several teams with several different target kind of clients. Some are B2B plays, some are B2C, I'm guessing on the corporate side of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you expanded from there. So keep the train going. Where did you go from there? Yeah, I mean, I feel like things just kind of like expanded around the same time going from this kind of one dimensional business that was just the two of us to this, I mean, like five, six, seven dimensions, I'm not sure. But sometimes I wish it was back to the one dimension. It was very simple. Well, especially (laughs) when you're doing payroll. I mean, that alone would get me going. But yeah, because that's a lot of responsibility. It is. And there's a whole conversation in there about, you know, feeling that responsibility and shouldering that and what a transition that was for us. And how we still, I mean, it's just incredible how many lessons we still learn every single day Mm. about what it means to be leaders and to run a team. So alongside that, we also began educating other photographers and other creatives, mostly in the wedding industry, but then also other creatives. And we began coaching and educating and speaking. And now we have some online courses and things like that. So alongside all of that, we are also teaching other creatives how to build businesses that not only make money that are not only profitable, but businesses that make them come alive. You know, there's a huge problem with burnout these days when it comes to creative entrepreneurs. And it's because I think when you become a creative entrepreneur, Art and business are forever intertwined. And when you thrive in your art, your business usually thrives. And when you thrive in your business, your art usually thrives. But when one or the other is out of sync, they affect the other. And so when you're unable to run a profitable business, then your creativity suffers. And that's really hard for a creative. It's life-sucking instead of life-giving. When your creativity suffers, then your business usually does too. And so keeping those two things in sync and making sure that you're building this business that is life-giving in all aspects is a challenge, but it's something that when we help other creatives learn how to do that, then it's incredibly transformational in their lives and their businesses. And they go from running businesses that just, you know, pay their bills or for many creative entrepreneurs, they start this passion that they're really excited about, but then without knowing it, they've actually just built for themselves another job. Mm-hmm. And helping people, you know, unlock themselves from this job and get back to being the artist that they are and building a business around that that they love, that was the original intention. But so many of us get lost in this, in the business side of it, and we just build these jobs that we end up not liking down the road. And so helping creatives out of that is really what we're super passionate about. Mm-hmm. This is our third season of Converge. And just this season alone, we've had some really fun guests Two that come to mind is Mike McCallowitz about Profit First and this notion oh, yeah. of 
Mm-hmm. The impact, the psychological even on, uh, and he, we even talked briefly on even the spiritual impact on kind of the non-physical impact on our internal conversations of money and how that can lead to scarcity mm-hmm. or and kind of this elusive sense of abundance, even if your intention with money. And then the other conversation was more recent was with Ben Holtberg up at the Thrive Center in Pasadena, where we were talking about how do you get to a place of purpose above, I don't think he used productivity as a word, but it was kind of that sense of like, where I'm just doing stuff, but somehow I'm doing stuff with a real intent. Like I have a I have a coach who once said to me, he gave this great little parable of, and I might even mention this in the show in a past episode, but you know, two people are pushing a rock up a hill and one's pushing up a rock and the other one's building a cathedral. And somehow Mm -hmm. when they have this vision of where they're going with the hard part of the job, it somehow becomes not only more bearable, but inspiring. And the, you know, the rocks are just as heavy, but they somehow feel a little lighter. And that's some of what I'm hearing you say is that when people get cornered into, they got in it for a good reason, then they had a passion, but then they started relating with it like it's just another job, like somebody else told them to go do, they forget that they're building a cathedral. Is this ballpark? To what oh you're yeah, describing? definitely. I okay. think our coach uses the term visioning a lot. And mm-hmm. so she's helped us kind of understand this concept of visioning. And I think that that plays a lot into purpose as well. When you have an overarching vision for your business or a purpose for your business, then the day-to-day stuff that is just not fun, I mean, paying your taxes, doing payroll, like, you know, all of that nitty gritty stuff that you just want to just hit your head on the desk because you're like, I'm an artist. How did I get myself into this? But when you have an overall vision for where you're going and what it is you're doing, then those things make sense. Those things become part of that vision. Mm. And for us, I know that I struggle the most when I lose sight of that vision. That's when I find myself spiraling downward and saying, why am I doing this? Throwing my hands up in the air and saying, I want to give up. And there's been plenty of those moments. I mean, we definitely are not perfect business people. And (laughs) we've had a lot of struggles. And we have looked at each other and said, I think we're done. We're ready to give up. Like Mm. there has been real moments like that. And looking back on that, we... I understand now that those are moments when we've lost our vision Mm. and that it's become too much of a job for us to want to do anymore. Well, so talk a little bit about the phrase that comes to mind is like, instead of keepsake, it's like keep sight. How do you keep sight on that vision? Especially when, like, it's so funny today, I was late for this interview. (laughs) Today was just a comedy of errors, like thing after thing after thing after thing with, you know, phones losing reception to unexpected, like other people's poor planning turns into my emergency, you know, slash my bad boundaries, or, you know, circumstances that are outside of my control. And I know this is not uncommon. A lot lot of folks will have these days where it just seems like either everything's going really right, or everything's not (laughs) going Mm -hmm. really right. And you're right, it's in those moments where it's really tempting to forget this big vision thing. Or, you know, Simon Sinek talks about starting with why. Well, how do you keep why in mind a little longer, especially when circumstances aren't going your way? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that I think when it comes to trying to stay reminded of that vision, that's where community comes into play. And Aaron and I are just huge believers in community. Like within a week of moving into our new house, the first thing I did was I built like a 14 foot farmhouse table so we could have community gatherings in our backyard at a moment's Mm -hmm. notice. And I think community is what ends up reminding you of your vision. Not that your vision is community, but when you share your vision with those around you and then you find yourselves in a discouraged place, the people around you are the ones that can remind you of it. 
Because the fact is, is when you're like in that place where you're like, I just want to give up, like this is too much work. I don't know if this is even worth it. Mm-hmm. Like it's really kind of hard for you to pick yourself up. <laughs> it sort of yeah. needs to come from somewhere else. And those friendships and communities are so key. One of the things that is wonderful about having a staff and enrolling the staff in the vision and enrolling the staff in where we're going is chances are not everybody's going to hit that breaking point at the same time, hopefully. And Mm -hmm. so you can kind of pull each other out and you can kind of encourage each other along. But that sort of environment is not really normal in a work environment. And so it has to sort of be fostered and created. But really, it's other people around you keeping you on track with your vision. That and motivational posters. I think those are the two. (laughs) Well, it's funny. I was thinking of two things when you said that. One was Tammy and I are allowed to have bad days, just not on the same day. (laughs) And then the other one was everything you're saying is backed up by the data. I mean, this is what Ben Holberg said was when I asked him, like, what are characteristics of people who thrive? The first thing he said was community Mm. of folks around them. And and that makes sense to me. Aaron, what would you add to that equation? How do you... Yeah, I think, that, I think that is totally true. In fact, recently, this was remarkable. I was feeling really just down and depressed. I mean, this was just a couple of weeks ago, something had just hit me really hard. And I was just like feeling it. And for some reason, I just was not wanting to be honest about it in that I didn't want to talk about it. I was keeping it inside. I was letting it just go over and over in my head and just letting it kind of stew there. And Jeff and I were driving up to Santa Barbara for a shoot. And in the car, I was like, you know, Jeff, I'm feeling, I'm just feeling really depressed. And he's like, yeah, I know. (laughs) And it was like instantly the shame cloud just dispersed. And I realized in that moment, I was like, I have been feeling so much shame. And shame cannot survive out in the open. And I think that that's a lot of what happens is we just get buried in this shame that when we lose our vision, what comes along with that, at least for me, is I feel shame about it. I lose sight of where I'm going. I, you know, I'm like, I just don't know. And I, that self doubt. But then when you share it out in the open and it's exposed, it just can no longer exist. And it was just so instant for me in that moment that it just reminded me of, okay, Aaron, like, don't let things just sit in there and stew like you do sometimes. <laughs> let it out in the open, share it with someone that understands you. So, you know, as soon as Jeff and I start talking but about it. But that's a key piece. Like not if someone, mm-hmm. if I share something, you can coach me for a second. So if I share something and it's not <laughs> Jeff in an idyllic drive on the coast on the way up to Santa Barbara, where he just, he knows you, like knows you, knows you. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like not all of us have a Jeff in our car when we're driving. And mm-hmm. so talk a little bit, like how do you, besides winning the lottery, like how do you get a Jeff in your life? And, oh, and I say, oh, when I say Jeff... <laughs> I don't mean it in a personal sense, like the Jeffs of the world. Like, I think there are folks, there, there is a way to cultivate more than just a partner or even a staff that, you know, they have to kind of live into the culture that you're setting for them. What about the folks that don't have, how do you enroll a real authentic community around you to show up at that 12 foot table that Jeff built or however big mm-hmm. it was? Gosh, yeah, that's, it's something that I wish you could produce overnight. But in my experience, it's something that has taken a lot of time and energy and effort. We had an experience years ago before we had the studios, we were shooting our weddings. And it was an experience that really deeply transformed how we viewed our business and really kind of became a big central why to us without really knowing it. We had this couple that was getting married in their parents' backyard and the mom and dad were kept bringing over all of their friends and introducing them to us. And they would say, we met these guys when we moved here 20 years ago. We met these guys when we moved here 20 years ago. And basically we realized that when they were our age at that time, 
they formed these friendships with, it was like five or six other couples, and they have fostered those friendships over the decades. And we were privileged to see the fruit of those relationships in this wedding and in the fact that they helped raise this couple and they got to do it in that community together. And it really shaped our thinking because we realized because they met those people at the age that we were at, at that point, we needed to look around and say, who are the people in our life that are going to be the people at our table when our kids get married? You know, we're probably going to get a table of eight people. Who are those eight people going to be that we would invite to our children's wedding? And we need to start fostering those relationships now. And so that was probably six, seven years ago. Yeah. And ever since then, we've been incredibly intentional about fostering those relationships. And In doing that, we had to be very real and honest with them and tell them, hey, this is what we want. We want to have these friendships for decades. And we know that life is going to change. We know that things are going to happen. We're going to have families. We're going to move. We're going to buy houses. And we're going to have different things happen in our lives. But we want these relationships to be here 30 years from now. And so can we do that together? And so we all know that In order to do that, we need to be vulnerable with one another. We need to be honest with one another. We need to ask each other what's really going on. And when you get asked that, you answer for reals. You don't give a stock answer. You actually tell them what's really going on. And that permission, that relationship of permission and vulnerability is something that is very uncomfortable, but it's incredibly fruitful. And it becomes more and more comfortable over time as you get used to it and you get comfortable with these you know, relationships. But you have to be willing to step into the curiosity of that uncomfortable. And my coach helped me a lot with this because curiosity was something that I was terrified of for a very long time. <laughs> what was scary and, about curiosity? What, oh like, my gosh. You know, that you'd find something out you didn't know was there? There is no control in curiosity. You cannot have control and be curious at the same time. And for me, control was super safe. That was where I lived. And I'm still finding areas in my life where I am dealing with control because I'm realizing, oh my gosh, I'm doing this because I still need control in this one area of my life. And that was an area where I didn't want to be curious. I didn't want to think about new possibilities. I didn't want to think about what could happen or what could be what could be different in my life, how I could be different, how our business could be different, because that means that I would have to give up control. And when I was willing to do that, that was when whole new possibilities opened up. And in our marriage, in our working relationship, it opened up a whole lot of possibilities within that. I mean, this is real talk right now. Hmm. Within that, I realized that I had been trying to control so much of the situations in our business that I was preventing Jeff from being the leader that he really needed to be. He was CEO in our business by title, but not by function because I was taking over. And he had shut down because of it, understandably. And so when I realized that my control was shutting down my husband and keeping him from his leadership capability, then one, it hurt a lot. It was devastating to me that I was doing this to the person I love the most in the world. But two, Jeff was able to realize, you know, what was going on as well. And he's been able to open up and be way more of a leader, much more effective in his leadership with our staff, take control of the business, really be the CEO that he truly is. And our business has done a lot better because of it Hmm. without me trying to control every situation. And so that curiosity is what really helped me do that. But I was terrified of it for a very, very long time. Hmm. Anything you'd add, Jeff? No, it's, I think, 
that's another example of just when you can have conversations out in the open, there's just so much truth in them and there's so much opportunity. And so, yeah, that situation that Aaron described has been, it's funny how you can have such difficult situations create such fruitfulness. It's in the most unexpected way. But the word that keeps coming up for me is courage. Because when I think of friends and colleagues we all have that we have a chance to bump into, certainly in the photo industry, but way beyond the photo industry, anyone who's Designing, creating, producing, adding some kind of themselves into some raw ingredient and making something beautiful out of it, and then trying to put that out there. Of all those folks that we have had a chance to get to know, there's a seems like a relatively small percentage of them that can do that. Like all of them, I would say across the board, literally almost all, maybe not all, but almost all, if they were invited to that table you're describing, they would feel like they were the luckiest humans on earth. Like they, <laughs> they got picked, they were able to go someplace special. And it's tempting, I think, to listen to this kind of conversation and almost have this kind of quiet envy of like, well, that's nice for the younger ones, like that's mm. that they get to have that kind of thing. But I think what's rare about you guys is not only are you excited to be at that table and be in that kind of a conversation, you've also, you're a facilitator of that kind of space for people too. And those are different muscle groups, like being able to show up if you get invited and you get to play a part, but to actually create the space so that someone would come and be a part seem like two different kinds of things. And I'm wondering for the folks at home, if they're like, yeah, I want to be a part, but I'm not sure I know how to build the table, metaphorically, what would you say to those guys? I think what I would say is that, you know, the old adage of with great risk comes great reward. I think innately, most people want to be invited into that place and they want to invite others into that place. So most people have both sides of that coin, but there's just this inherent risk in inviting that conversation or starting that conversation. I One of my favorite things that I do, and really anybody could do this without a 14-foot table, it's a 14-foot table. To do. <laughs> the 27-foot um, table. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's the 49-foot table. Sorry, go ahead. Table. <laughs> this is something that anybody can do where what I love doing is when I go to networking events i hate networking events because it's all this like just surface conversation i like it i like it for the whiskey and that's that's it but what i like doing is going around and just having just jumping right into the deep end you know like taking a note from simon sinek and just being like hey like you know i read this book and here's what he talks about with starting with why and i would just love to know from you like why is it that you do what you do Hmm. and then following that up with tell me more how so interesting, like just engaging in a conversation and sooner than later, you can find yourself in an actual real conversation, not just talking about how to make your businesses run further. Okay. So that's not just risk. That's also a self-awareness to go, wow. Because when I hear that, I'm like, oh, that means I'd actually have to care about other people. (laughs) That's true. And when I show up at a party and I'm insecure in my scarcity, I'm tempted to actually just think about me. And what I'm hearing you say, like embedded in that is like, yeah, well, let's start with pre-why. Let's start with like being conscious that when we pay attention to other people, this is Dale Carnegie 101, like when we pay attention, if we are the kind of thing we'd like someone else to be to us, it opens up incredible opportunities relationally. Yeah, definitely. And I think that the kind of precursor to it is you can't go into a conversation like that expecting it to be reciprocated. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're in a place where you've developed this mindset and you're kind of maybe you're like you said you're more self-aware and then you ask these questions and you're kind of catching someone off guard and so when you can walk into it and not expect them to ever respond with a question it almost becomes this delightful thing when they say so that's me like what about you it's like oh great well i'd love to tell you about that and let's talk about that 
Aaron, what would you add? I would add that. So the difference between Jeff and me is that Jeff is (laughs) a very confident, I call him the honey badger because he <laughs> It's true. He just honey badger does what he wants and he's extremely confident and that's one thing that I love about him the most and you know there's moments where I'm like oh yeah honey badger just sent that email or whatever. And so and he's also very outgoing. But the same concepts can apply to people like me who are completely opposite. I am a super introvert. I would rather be in a corner reading a book than ever interacting with anybody else in the world. I prayed around as an extrovert because it's part of my business and because I have learned how to do that. But I am a very introverted person. And for many, many years, I was extremely painfully shy. And I did not want to pull up a seat to that table because I didn't want to be seen. I didn't believe that I was enough. I didn't believe that my voice mattered. I didn't want to engage in that conversation because I was fearful of my words not being enough for everybody else. And that kind of perfectionism is really difficult to overcome when you are, you know, when I walk into a room and there's all these strangers and that still can be very paralyzing to me. And so, but what I've learned is that in those situations, you know, identify a few people to talk to just one or two, and then have those questions ready in your back pocket. You know, questions like what Jeff said, you know, what would you say is your why? Or, you know, even simpler questions like how did you get started in your business? And just that practice of being more interested and more curious about their story than you are about being known. And over time, I experienced a lot of different, you know, transformation in my life that I did. I now believe that I am good enough to pull up a seat at that table. And in fact, I'm good enough to pull up a seat. And so is everybody else. So I'm going to grab somebody along the way and I'm going to bring them to the table and have them sit down and show them that their voice matters as well. And so that's part of the reason why this coaching came about because I experienced, you know, a change and a transformation in my heart where I went from feeling not good enough to now good enough. And I want to share that with other creative entrepreneurs that feel like they're not good enough to have their voice matter. And so I want to show them that it does. I'll be back with the rest of the conversation right after this short break. Have you invested in conferences or workshops that left you empty handed? There was great content and you had great ideas about what to go do with it, but no change actually happened. That's not okay. At Go Summit, we're committed to helping you take action. To do that, we add personalized coaching and customized marching orders alongside the inspiring speakers, amazing location, and fun networking events. Honestly, there's nothing quite like it. Register today before tickets sell out at fastermind.co forward slash Go Summit. So this whole conversation really is one about transformation. We've thrown that word around quite Mm -hmm. a bit. And and even before we turned the recorder on, we were talking about that phenomenon of people who kind of wander into their business. They don't really have their bearings. They kind of wake up one day and go, oh my gosh, I'm doing this for a living. And then they kind of reframe it around, you know, maybe old habits or whatever. And they've forgotten their why. But somehow it sounds like these are some of the ingredients that you guys have discovered that got you back to that place of real connection to just love your business, but but more love your life. And it just happens to be that you're applying that in the context of your business. And these are some active, specific habits that you're implementing. You've also mentioned things like having a coach, having an outside influence or input on the process. Again, all of these things are resonant for me, and partly because we've been friends for so long. I think we've all been on similar journeys. But what else would you add, if anything, 
to the, like the active ingredients to get from that disoriented state to that state of, I really love what I do. You know, you mentioned, you know, the whole coach thing. And I think us having a coach was one of the best things that we've ever done because it's that constant source of knowing where we're going. Like, you know, our coach's name is Julia and you're friends with Julia. And she, yes, you know, Julia, right? I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I do know Julia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so fun for me because Julia is someone that Jeff and Julia Woods, if you guys don't know, you should. She's amazing transformational coach. And I had the privilege of actually enrolling her in her first transformational training. So I take a little kind of paternal pride (laughs) in that whole deal. And But she has just done such an amazing job with so many folks and does exactly what you're describing, helps them get their bearings, keep their bearings, and actually raise their sights to a different level of existence. So I love what you're It's one of those things where like for the longest time, we kind of felt like we should get a coach, but we were like, that's like kind of giving in because here we are, we're teaching other photographers, we're speaking from stage, we're going around and we're doing all these things. We have all these things going for us and look at how successful we are. Like why in the world do we need a coach? And then we got a coach and we're like, what were we thinking? Why haven't we had a coach for longer? (laughs) Think about how much more successful we would be if having someone that pokes her finger in places that you're just like, ouch, that that one's rough. But I should consider that. (laughs) Julia's probably laughing if she's listening to this. (laughs) Well, again, it's all it's all metaphor. It's all metaphor. Coaches don't put their (laughs) fingers in the wrong places. That's true. But I think, you know, it, it's, well, actually, let's transition because I want to talk a little bit about, you guys are coming to speak at Go, at the Go Summit uh, here in January. And that is a transformational centric kind of gathering where we have speakers who come and present on important ideas around creativity and business. And But we don't stop there. We immediately do active coaching at the event where someone presents and then we go to a trained table coach, kind of a table of eight, actually, in the way you're describing it earlier. Mm-hmm. And they get trained through kind of what did they just hear and what, so what for them and how could that fit for what's next for them in life and business. And what was really fun last year was our speakers. It was very much what you were describing. They didn't, they weren't satisfied to sit on the stage. They wanted to get engaged the exact same way. So they kind of self-formed their own table and went through the exact same drill that everyone else did and had this really flattening effect. And Mm -hmm. as it was happening, and I was thinking about you guys and just the leadership role that you guys have played specifically in the photo industry, it was like, you guys must, and all this gone on for you guys personally. It's like, this is your tribe and you still haven't met them yet. So I'm so excited to have you be a part of Go, but why the heck are you guys coming to Go? Well, you asked and we love you. So of course. (laughs) Reason number one. (laughs) I know you well enough to know you need more than that. So why else? Why else? (laughs) Well, I really love engaging in the process. That's something that is incredibly life-giving for me. And it's something that I've learned how to do, you know, better and better over the years. And as I get older and mature and, you know, go through these life lessons of running a business, but engaging in the process is the best way that I can describe this kind of digging into what gifts your business has to offer you, what gifts life has to offer you, what situations and challenges have to offer you that will ultimately bring more joy into your journey, will bring more thriving into your journey. And I think that that kind of active engagement, it's a very constant thing that you have to be very mindful of. And so when I get to go to places like Go, where it is a very active conversation, you know, you're not just going to sit and absorb from the audience, you're going to actually engage in what is happening. And to me, that's incredibly exciting, because I know that it's in that engagement, it's digging into that process that's where things get unlocked. That's where you start understanding things about your heart that you didn't understand was there. And that's where your business can come in and 
transform you as a person and can offer you something that will make you a better person, a better parent. If you have kids, a better spouse, if you have a spouse, it will make you a better boss. If you have employees, it'll make you a better friend, a better sibling. Like it will just help you grow as an individual. And so I love engaging in those kinds of conversations and the places where those happen. Like that's where I want to be. Yeah. And I think to add to that, like for me, we just get a lot of joy when we get to teach someone something and then see them actually practically do something with it. And ever since you started Go with that kind of really being kind of the whole ethos behind it of like not just coming in, being inspired and then throwing your notebook in the cupboard until the next year rolls around, like that's the opposite. I think that's the biggest thing that we're excited about with Go is just being involved in sort of sparking these conversations. And then, man, like the list of attendees and the people that are coming and what they're doing, it's like these people are primed and ready to take action on the stuff that they're learning. And so it just sounds like a wonderful conversation to have with a great group of people. We are so fortunate to have you guys join us. And again, these are your people. And Mm -hmm. I think that the folks, especially the ones that have returned and many of our speakers who aren't speaking this year are still coming. Like that's in my mind, a real kind of indicator of Mm. the kind of thing we're creating. But more than that, I'm just personally so excited to hear from you. And we didn't get at all into the topics that was intentional today of, because you're going to be here so soon. We wanted (laughs) to save that for the gathering, but I'm so grateful that we stepped back from the content of, you know, just running a business or just being creative and really got real about what it means to be human in the midst of it. And, and not just try to get like a little better, but like to get after the life that we're meant to have, because there's got to be more to life than just mm. working. And I think you guys model that more than many people I've ever met in my life. And I'm, I'm so, so, so grateful that you're my friends and so grateful that you're here today. So thanks for being with me today. Oh, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. We love you, Dane. For folks at home who want to, especially the photographer folks who are like, man, how did I not know about the Youngerns? And where can I go find out more about your brands and all the, especially on the educational front, because you do a lot of stuff. Where should they go? So if you want to learn about, you know, business and that kind of thing, we have a blog that's geared toward wedding and portrait photographers, theyoungerns.com forward slash photographers. Our Instagram feed is also a great place to, where I talk a lot about business and life and that sort of thing. So at the Youngerns on Instagram is another great place to get to know us and get to know our hearts and what we're all about. Thanks, you guys. This was episode nine, season three of Converge, the Business of Creativity podcast. Converge podcast is brought to you by fastermind.co where we help entrepreneurs go from knowing to doing. Get started free today by finding out your Fastermind underscore. Go to fastermind.co. Music for this episode provided by triplescoopmusic.com. What does your story sound like? This episode was mixed and produced by Podcast Fast Track.